Welcome to Positioning 365 Beyond Seating. My name is Mary Girardi. I'm a physical therapist and a resident certified assistive technology practitioner. I am the clinical educator here at Ultimate Medical, and I will be your host. Leanne Hoffman is going to be my co-host today. Leanne has been an occupational therapist for more than 23 years. She obtained her OT degree in the Republic of South Africa, a Master's of Science degree in Posture Management in the United Kingdom, and her doctorate in Occupational Therapy in the United States. She is focused on education and lifelong learning and is pursuing her second post-professional doctorate in education. Leanne has worked internationally and currently lives in Dallas, Texas, teaching entry-level doctoral OT students assistive technology. She is invested in contributing to the field of complex rehab technologies and is a resident certified assistive technology practitioner and seating and mobility specialist. Leanne also serves as the co-vice chair for the 24-7 Posture Care Management Special Interest Group in Resna and is part of the core team working on the Resna position paper for 24-hour posture care management. She is a member of our clinical advisory board here at Ultimate Medical. She is a servant leader and serves as an executive board member of the Clinical Task Force, CTF, and holds several board positions in complex rehab technology sector. Today, our guest is Tamara Kittleson. She is an occupational therapist, Resna Certified Assistive Technology Practitioner, a Resna Certified Seating and Mobility Specialist, and founding chair of the Resna 24-7 Posture Care Management Special Interest Group. Tamara is the Executive Director of Posture 24-7, a 50C3 nonprofit organization whose mission is promoting awareness and training regarding 24-hour posture care management in North America to support health and quality of life for individuals with limited movement repertoire that prevents them from easily changing and varying their positions. In 2004, Tamara founded Eleanor's Project, a 50C3 nonprofit for which she is the executive director. Eleanor's Project is her daughter's legacy, with a focus on improving the quality of life for children with disabilities and their families in low resource areas of the world via a foundation of 24-hour posture care management, underlying positioning and mobility evaluations and equipment. They have worked in Peru since 2004 and worked in Jordan from 2005 to 2009. Eleanor's Project supports year-round wheelchair clinics in Yankanawasi in Lima, Peru, providing equipment as well as education and training for Peruvian professionals with whom they work. Today, we'll be talking about 24-hour posture care management. Welcome, Tamara. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Marianne. I'm happy to be here. I always tell people when I have an opportunity to speak with them or teach that with me, they are getting both a therapist and a mother. As you've already touched on in my introduction, Eleanor's project is the legacy for my youngest daughter, Eleanor, who was born with cerebral palsy and profound deafness. I raised her until she left us uh, just before her 12th birthday. So I've had the really unique experience of already being a pediatric occupational therapist, already being involved in doing positioning and mobility equipment, and then suddenly becoming a mother of a child who needed that very same kind of gear. So I can certainly admit from my perspective today, it was a really hard transition for me. I thought I knew what my story was. I thought that my story was of being a professional working with kids. I didn't think my story 
was mothering a child with those kinds of needs. But I can now say that she was just the best gift I was ever given and allowed me to gain perspectives and understanding of the context in which families live in a ways that I just never would have otherwise. So whenever I teach or provide a bio, I usually find some way to mention my daughter's name, Eleanor. Aside from that, I've been an occupational therapist for 48 years. That's a little bit scary to admit. Been doing wheelchair and positioning and mobility equipment for at least 38 years and really found my passion in the area of CRT, complex rehab technology. And it was that passion for CRT that actually led me down the path to my next passion of 24-7 posture care management. Leanne, you also have a long interest in 24-hour posture care management. Do you want to add a little about your bio? Thank you, Marianne. And um, it's difficult to follow someone as amazing as Tamara. So I think my start was when I was living in the United Kingdom, working for a wheelchair service. I had the opportunity to make what I thought was probably the most amazing custom seating creations ever. I had that aha moment when a client came back for a follow-up appointment, and I thought in my mind I'd made the best seating solution ever, and I couldn't quite understand why their posture had deteriorated in a six-month period, but I'd made this amazing system, right? And I started to ask the question, of how long are you using this piece of equipment, which now seems so basic, to which the answer was two hours. Quickly, my mind went to, but there's so many more hours in the day. Through this and through a wonderful mentor, Paul Dreyer, who's um, part of King's College in the United Kingdom, um, a rehabilitation engineer, I was pointed in the direction of a postgrad certificate in posture management. So I went through this journey for a year and my eyes absolutely were opened of how could I, as a clinician, have missed this very, very basic intervention of positioning outside of the chair. Fast forward a few years, I was able to be involved in positioning of a client who was in bed for 20 years and a wonderful, wonderful occupational therapist in the United Kingdom, Bridget Churchill, had invited me and I visited and I discovered that this gentleman had been without a wheelchair for 20 years and in bed and um, just to start combating some of the postural distortions and deviations, gravity was so unkind. So working with a team, because everything that we do takes a village. So gradually got this gentleman from lying in a three-quarter prone turn to being supine, to being a little bit more upright, to actually being in a chair. And my journey through that moment was, oh my goodness, there he was confined to the four walls of the room he was in. And through 24-hour posture care management, he was now able to attend his niece's wedding. And he was able to actually go to doctor's appointments in a wheelchair accessible van. And he was able to go to the seafront where those annoying seagulls are. And he was able to experience life again. And that for me was so incredibly powerful. That memory will always stay with me that we have to do something. And it's never too late, really. That's my whole thing. It's never too late. And there's always postural intervention that can be done. So I think both Chamber and I have an emotional journey of how we got to where we are. I think many clinicians can associate with that. We're in this field to help, to support, to educate, to train. It's just so powerful when you do have the tools to make a difference. So thank you for asking me. You've taken me on an emotional journey there. So I appreciate that. Thank you. 
I'd like to add, I didn't really mention it in my bit, but for me, I, I, were, I lived for 38 years in the same community in Missoula, Montana. And by the time I left, which was actually just last year in June in 2022, I had clients that I had begun working with from the time that they were infants and toddlers and preschoolers. And when I left, they were in their 20s and 30s. And the unique and I think really helpful learning context of living in a place for such a long time and following people over such a long period is that you have a chance to see what happens to people's bodies. So I worked with children, for example, that I had evaluated in the neonatal intensive care unit follow-up clinic, and I knew that they were born with beautiful symmetrical bodies. And then I followed them along with positioning and mobility equipment over all these years. And come adolescence, we began to lose them. And suddenly all of these incredible deviations and distortions are showing up. And I thought I was doing the best possible job that I could with daytime seating systems, standing frames. We thought we're acing that, and yet still things were getting worse and worse and worse. Luckily, I guess it was the year 2000, somehow or other, a paper came across my computer that came from a place in England that talked about positioning throughout the day and night. And something just clicked for me. I had already been doing it intuitively for my daughter, Eleanor. She actually slept the last two years of her life in a corrective back brace for her scoliosis. But I was positioning her legs and everything else as well. Intuitively, I'd been doing it for my daughter, but it had never really occurred to me to start looking at this for all of my clients. It was a really big sea change. And I will just say that from my experience as a mother, I also know that my daughter was born with a beautiful symmetrical body. And over the years, I watched it change to the point where she had spinal fusion surgery for scoliosis in 2001. And complications from that led to her leaving us. So I have a pretty big emotional motivation for all of this because for my daughter, I was given the choice of let her spine collapse or have this really big surgery where she might not make it through anyway. We know that happens. I've actually had a number of clients over the years who had complications from the surgery and some even died. But I was basically given these two options. And what I love about 24-hour posture care management is that we can offer another option. We can offer a third way. And um, I think it's really important to be able to offer that to people and to their families. Wow, both of your journeys to this point are amazing. The stories are just emotional. I can't express how fortunate I feel for myself and the viewers to have you both here talking about this important topic that in my 40 plus years of being a therapist in the United States hasn't gotten much traction. And I'm hoping that we can increase the knowledge and get more people thinking about what's happening 24-7. But I think to start, we first need to find out what is 24-hour posture care management. Can you give us a little synopsis, Tamara? Sure. 24-hour posture care management is really paying attention to a person throughout the entire 24-hour period and looking at their orientations, their three human orientations of lying, sitting, and standing. Now, I always say that the lying orientation, which as you've just rightly said, hasn't gotten a lot of attention in the United States, 
Uh, I say that the lying foundation is first and foundational. And to me, that just seems very clear because when we are born as newborn babies and, and young babies, really it's the only thing that we're able to do. And so unless we are receiving external support from somebody holding us up, we are in a lying position. We've kind of glossed over that, overlooked it in lying. So I think it's the first and foundational orientation and we need to be looking at a person's posture and the support that they need to maintain or try to achieve as much symmetry and midline orientation as possible. And we need to be doing that not just when they're in their wheelchair, not just when they're in their standing frame, but we need to do it when they are outside of that daytime equipment. And that's going to mean when they are in bed, sleeping at night, if they are in bed taking naps during the day, if they're sitting in a recliner when they come home from work or school, if they're sitting on the sofa with the family watching a movie, it's really paying attention to the level of support that the person needs in all of those different contexts if you're going to be saying that you're looking at 24-7 posture care management. So if I'm understanding this correctly, you're looking at posture, as the name says, 24 hours a day, but the three main areas are lying, sitting, and standing. Is that right? Yes, those are the three human orientations that we, we all have. Of course, those of us who are able-bodied, you know, we can all lie down, we can sit, and we can stand. Uh, we have the people whom we work with positioning and mobility equipment are not going to necessarily be able to achieve independent sitting or independent standing. That's why we have equipment like wheelchairs with special seating systems and standing frames and such that can help people experience and be functional in the sitting and standing orientations. And um, similarly, we need to make sure that they are also going to be well supported in the lying orientation. We now interrupt this podcast with a word from our sponsor. Make writing a letter of medical necessity easier with Justify It. Justify It helps you quickly configure an easy stand to zing or activate product, prompting you to add medical justification for each necessary component and walks you step-by-step step through the entire letter writing process. Designed with HIPAA security in mind, justify it with ease of mind to get the complex rehab technology you need today. Now back to the podcast. So what's the history of 24-hour posture care management? Well, I usually... Um take it back to a seminal paper that what I consider to be a seminal paper that was published in 1976 by Fulford and Brown in Developmental Medicine and Child Neurology, a very reputable journal. And 1976 uh, was the year after I graduated from OT school, actually, but I certainly had never heard about this paper until the year 2000 and not really very well known in the United States. But Fulford and Brown studied two cohorts of babies 
One that was diagnosed with severe cerebral palsy. The other group was typically developing. They followed these babies over a period of months. And early on, they saw similarities in their postural presentations. Some similar sorts of asymmetries were seen. But they noticed that as the able-bodied babies began to achieve their developmental milestones and roll over, be able to sit, be in quadruped, crawl, basically achieving anti-gravity developmental milestones, they saw those postural asymmetries decline and decrease and often totally disappear. Whereas the babies with CP, their postural problems just got worse and worse. And through this study that they conducted, they decided that what were thought to be unavoidable deformities, I don't use that word very much because I think it's a really hard one for parents to hear, um, but they decided that rather than these deformities being an unavoidable part of cerebral palsy, that they were actually caused by habitual asymmetrical postures influenced by gravity over a period of time. In essence, lying in the same position all the time and becoming part of what Noreen Hare, one of the founding mothers in this area, called the human sandwich, in which we as human beings are sandwiched between the support surface on which we are resting and the forces of gravity. In England, people began to follow on more with this idea from this paper. It seems like, Leanne, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I sort of see England as the birthplace of 24-hour posture care management. Certainly, it's spread out to some of the other Commonwealth countries more and into Scandinavia and Europe as well. People basically followed up on this whole idea to the point where, for many people in other countries outside the United States, it's become quite a standard of care. They may not always carry it through perfectly, but people talk about it a lot. People are studying it. Equipment has been developed to help with positioning and the lying orientation. And it's just moved along quite rapidly um, compared to this country where we are only just now, I think, starting to gain some traction in this area. I did some training in England in January 2012. So 13 years ago, as I came back, I was determined that I wanted to share this information with people as much as possible for the remainder of my career. And I would not have been able to imagine, Marianne, having a podcast about this topic 13 years ago. I wrote my first article about this in the North's Directions magazine in 2008 called Postural Care Around the Clock. I was given my choice of an article to write, and that was the topic I chose and really felt like somewhat of a voice crying out in the wilderness. And it's one reason why I was thrilled, honestly, when Leanne moved to the United States, because I uh, finally had a colleague who was a, as passionate about this as I am and somebody to share with on this topic. Tamara, you've covered so much ground and I love that you've touched on the 1976 article. Sometimes we snigger at data that is old. I just want to circle back to that because uh, it triggered a thought that I had during my long and arduous journey of doing a doctoral studies for occupational therapy as a mature student. I'm chuckling at myself. 
Unbeknownst to me, searching the dates and the literature, I came across the Back to Sleep campaign. So when I made this discovery, I was literally messaging Tamara, like I've made a connection, I've made a connection. And the connection I had made uh, in my mind was, oh my goodness, here we had healthy population in 1994 who, you know, Babies were experiencing sudden infant death syndrome and the whole campaign for back to sleep came into action. So no more lying in prone, no more tummy sleeping, lie on your back, sleep on your back, sleep in supine, here we go. And the sudden infant death rate went down, which is great news. But this phenomenon had occurred and we were seeing healthy babies develop plagiocephaly, so flat head syndrome. So the back of their head was becoming flat and there was another phenomenon that happened was torture. And specifically to the right hand side. So shortening of the sternocleidomastias muscle to the right side. And the studies had found that most of the caregivers were right handed. Therefore, they were approaching the babies from the right side. Therefore, the baby was turning to the right and the head was favoring the right hand side. Enter in plagiocephaly and enter in a little bit of contracture happening, therefore torticolis. This gained a whole lot of traction and interest that these healthy babies, as a result of this back-to-sleep campaign, were now experiencing these physical phenomena. However, 1994, healthy babies. This information was already spoken about in 1976 in the article from Fulford and Brown that Tamara had mentioned, where children who were experiencing a health condition and were immobile already presented with these asymmetries. As Tamara mentioned as well, we need to think about using kinder language. A lot of our terminology uses the word deformity. And I think when we speak to someone's loved one, Um, And about their positioning, it seems like such a harsh word to use about someone's body. So I'm always mindful about terminology. Sometimes I go off on a tangent. I don't like the word rib hump either. I would say posterior symmetric, asymmetric fullness. I'll always find a word for something else. So I think what's quite interesting is that we do realize here in the United States that positioning matters. Right. If this phenomenon was happening back in 1994, with healthy babies and we saw that there were changes and it was bothersome because the asymmetries were there. What have we done to support the population with health conditions who have immobility? Tamara also mentioned the human sandwich. And I think, you know, looking at us professional bodies and, you know, the PT and the OT associations, there's a lot more traction to look at positioning and actually for occupational therapy in the education we provide for our entry-level students, assistive technology is an intervention. So assistive technology in terms of complex rehab technologies, positioning equipment, these are topics we're now addressing with students, our future workforce. So it's always interesting interesting to you know to look at what are the resources that are available but now I'm going to actually ask you Tamara is this approach only for children (laughs) absolutely not it is not only for children what I say is that I don't care what diagnosis a person has and I don't care what age they are a human body is a human body and gravity asymmetry and time will have its effect on any person of any age if they are in a situation of having a limited movement repertoire Um, to my mind it's just a matter of time and it may be more severe it may be less severe but changes take place soft tissue adapts ligaments stretch and can eventually overstretch to the point that they just can't snap back affecting the stability of joints 
Our bodies are so much more flexible than we actually realize that gravity just takes its toll on us. And we're not only talking about children, we are talking about everybody, including adults with acquired injuries and disease processes. As Leanne was talking about the plagiocephaly kids, another thing that just slipped through my mind that I'd like to share are two situations I've also seen where positioning was having an impact on health conditions. One is that in the work in Peru, where very, very, very many children must be fed being held on their parents' laps because they don't have the positioning equipment for many years often, We've tended to notice a preponderance of subluxed and dislocated left hips and right convex scoliosis. And when we really looked at that, we realized that the majority of parents are right-handed. So of course, they're supporting their children on their laps with their left hand and using their right hand to feed them. And if you just take it from there, you can exactly see what's happening as the child's body curves around the parent who is holding them to feed them their meals. The other situation occurred, oh gosh, I guess this was in 2014, maybe, or 2017. I've spent some time teaching at the state residential school in Louisiana. And as we were talking one day, again, about the preponderance of head turning more towards one side than the other, um, I think it was turning to the right for most of the kids. And we wondered why that was. Somebody suddenly got the bright idea about how the dorm rooms were arranged and where the beds were relative to the televisions. There were very limited options because of limited space and kids all needed to have room for their wheelchairs. And it slowly dawned on us in the little group that kids' body shapes were actually being impacted by the furniture arrangements in their rooms. And the exciting thing is, is that when they built the new dorms, they actually took this into account. So positioning could be better handled. I think that's really exciting that when they built the new dorms, they took into account. And I think not only as clinicians, but as people, we forget how we impact other people one of my first jobs, I worked at one of the state institutions here in Massachusetts where there was no positioning. They lived on mats and I've got some severe asymmetries. And one other thing I noticed is that 95% of the residents were left-handed. And I'm thinking, I finally dawned on me one day is that they were all being assisted to eat and the people would sit in front of them and they were right-handed. So by doing hand over hand, they would use the resident's left hand. And it was like 95% of the population was left-handed because of this, because we teach. So I think it's important, and I feel it plays into 24-hour posture care management, is that we can affect not only developing, but established postures, asymmetries, motor patterns by just how we interact with the people. And using 24-care posture management, we can be there longer than our like five, 10 minutes or half hour feeding. We can affect their growth, their development, their health. And I also think their happiness by providing them extra supports. And what type of equipment is needed to do 24-hour posture care management? Well, that's a really big question, Marianne. If we're talking, you know, if, I think some of the equipment is pretty obvious to most of the listeners of this podcast. You know, obviously here in the United States, we're fortunate if people have funding to have access to lots of good equipment in terms of wheelchairs and seating systems, standing frames, 
got to say that I love ultimate medical standing frames. My own daughter, Eleanor, had two easy stands during her lifespan. Bathing equipment, we have access to those as well, bathroom equipment. But finding equipment to support people appropriately in the lying orientation is quite a bit more difficult for several reasons. One of them is that Actually, literally, there's nobody in the United States who is making this sort of thing in a reasonable way that would make it more accessible. So everything is imported and it's quite expensive. The other thing is our funding situation, our healthcare system, such as it is, is very much focused on coding for funding. There's so little awareness of positioning equipment in the lying orientation that funding can be really difficult to come by. Insurances, Medicare, Medicaid, in some places may pay for this kind of positioning equipment, but oftentimes it's not covered because there is not a code for it. Perhaps it hasn't been adequately justified medically by the clinician who is recommending it. So in these cases, while there are some wonderful pieces of formal sleep systems available, I think it's really important for people to realize that you can do a lot with what you have. It's it's possible to help improve people's lying posture using some fairly simple and basic materials, oftentimes at least to start. It's really important once you realize that a person has posture problem in lying, you will begin to see things differently. You'll see how their lying posture is linked with their sitting posture, is linked with their standing posture. I have a slide that I use. I'm actually going to be using it again in a couple of weeks in a webinar I'm teaching uh, where I have the same young man lying in quadruped, in sitting, and in a standing frame, showing how his posture deviation is completely consistent between all of those different orientations. So once you, you start to look at people in this sort of light, it really changes your perspective completely. And I'm to the point now in my professional opinion that I think an evaluation for a wheelchair and seating system or a standing frame, really an evaluation for any piece of complex rehab technology is not being done adequately and completely without really taking a look at a person's lying posture. And by that, I don't just mean the mat evaluation where we're checking to see what their range of motion is like at their hips and knees and, and such. You know, we may often notice asymmetries in the lying posture. Where I see things falling apart a bit is that people may see it, but they don't take it into account and decide that that's one of the things they need to have a goal for that they need to really figure out how to do something about those lying asymmetries while they are coming up with the complex rehab technology that is going to be used during the daytime for sitting and mobility and standing. I want to just add in there as well, seeing as we've stumbled onto the topic of equipment, our favorite topic, what a wonderful industry we work in. My statement that I want to make is that Tamara and I are part of a core group who are working on a resident position paper for 24-hour posture care management. And one of the aims of the paper, so there's several reasons a paper is written for resident. 
One of the aims is to actually help justify equipment because there are challenges out there. We've just outlined how this is a fairly new you know, intervention here in the US, although it's been happening outside of the US for many years. And I don't say that those systems and countries are without their challenges either. There's no easy route. What I've learned from my international experiences is no perfect healthcare system. So there's still a lot of work to be done here in the US. And I think many clinicians who are listening to this podcast today will be nodding their heads about the challenges with justifying equipment and writing letter of medical necessity and the challenges that that comes with. So Marianne, I want to just put this back to you in terms of a wonderful tool called Justify It. Could you tell us more about that? Sure. Justify It is an LMN generator that we have on the Ultimate Medical's website. You do have to register and create an account, and you have to remember to save. Nothing is saved on the website because of HIPAA reasons, because you're going to put in protected information. And it's a form where you fill out the patient's individual attributes, the equipment that you're looking. It will help you because you can choose one of our products. It's only specific for the ultimate products. But things that you learn in it, you can take to other products. I didn't share this at the beginning. I used to be a reviewer for one of the Medicaid systems in the United States, and I reviewed complex rehab technology. So what I like about Justify It is the things that I saw in letters that people tend to forget, because a lot of times you're working with a client, you've known them for so long, you don't put it down in paper. Justify It will prompt you put that information down. It'll also prompt you to give you the justification for certain pieces or um, components components of a piece of equipment. When you're writing a letter of medical necessity and trying to get something paid for by an insurance company, we have to remember insurance companies will only pay for the less costly piece of equipment that will enable the person to meet their medically necessary goals. So if you don't specifically tell them why it's needed and make sure you back it up in your evaluation, a letter of medical necessity is not just, they need this because of this. And Justify It helps you with that because they ask you for the objective data from your evaluation to put into the system because that's important. And you have to remember that as a reviewer, I was sitting in an office and all I know about the person you're requesting the equipment for is what you put in that piece of paper. If you don't put it in the paper, you don't write it in the letter, you don't explain it in detail, they're not going to know about it. And therefore, their ability to make an objective decision is limited because they don't have all the facts. There's also sample elements on our website. If you go to a specific product, say the Bantam Medium, click on the funding button, it will pop up with sample elements. Thanks, Marianne. That's so helpful to know. You're also presenting some CEUs as you're traveling around the country. That's right? Yes. As the clinical education specialist, I'm doing in-person education seminars that are either one or two hours in length or in summer longer. And they do have CEUs. They're accredited by either Texas APTA, University of Pittsburgh. So you can get your CEUs to renew your licenses. The topics this year are just on standing, but part of that will also include not only the evidence of why we're using standing, but also how you can get it paid for, what you need to write in a letter of justification, and the pros and cons of all types of standards, not just ours. And my big push or my special interest is people think 
of standing 24-hour posture care management as a single part of an intervention, but it can be used so much to augment your other therapy goals. If you've got the postural asymmetries controlled or, or addressing them, when you're going into working on your other therapy goals, you're not having to fight that. Especially, I personally have used 24-hour posture care management in a sleep system with a student. She wasn't a student when I used it. I originally met her when she was eight years old. I was her therapist for three years. And then I met her again in my last position when she was 38 years old. Um, severe, severe high tone, almost to the point of rigidity. And we had the postural asymmetries. I got her one of the sleep systems. And the first thing I noticed was that her tone was decreased. I could actually move her legs. And you can take the benefits you get from 24-hour posture care management and work them to your advantage when you're working on other active motor programs or other therapy programs. It's not isolated. And I hope people listening understand that it's not just, this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to do it. It's like, no, we're going to do this and it's going to do that, but it's also going to help us do this. And I think that's important. But keep an eye out on the website for our in-person ones. We'll also be at a bunch of different conferences. The International Seating Symposium in April we're presenting and we have a booth. And if you want any information about upcoming events, just email me and my email address is available on the podcast. We're going to pause our discussion right now. This is such an important topic, but due to the length of our discussion, we've decided to split into two parts. Thank you for listening to Episode 4, Part 1 of Postural Care Management. Please continue to Part 2, where we dive deeper into the benefits and needs of 24-hour postural care management. I'm your host, Mary Andrade, and thank you for tuning into Positioning 365 Beyond Seating. Today's podcast was brought to you by Ultimate Medical, the home of Easy Stand, Activate, and Medical Positioning.